Uh, we're going to be starting a new series um, this month. I, as I always say, I just love our series. They're always timely. Uh, they're always great. I always hear, I enjoy hearing from the other men that are preaching. And I know this month, the next couple of months, uh, it just, it's just always, always good. And so uh, this one's no different. Uh, the title of the series for this month of March is entitled Christ Revealed. And, and this is going to be so crucial and so important. Uh, you know, today we're seeing a, a rapid decline uh, of the church all over the Western world because of church's acceptance of the philosophies of today. And there's so many philosophies, there's so many opinions out there, and the church seems to be getting influenced by all of these things that are coming in. Um, the appeal of the church to accept these different philosophies of the day is, is not new to modern times. This isn't a problem that we are having today uh, with this generation. Something that's been around for a while, Apostle Paul understood the challenge. He had to deal with the same things in the early church with people listening to other people's opinions and people coming around and, and telling them who they thought Jesus was and giving their opinion. And it was something that he had to deal with um, early in Christianity. In Colossians, Apostle Paul wrote to uh, the church there in Colossae and, and he told them to be careful not to be influenced by these deceiving words of these people. And in Colossians chapter one and verse four, he says these words. He says, I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. And then in verse eight, in that same chapter, he says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. He's telling them all of these people are coming in, especially in that church. They're coming in and, and giving the church their opinions. And unfortunately, it was kind of influencing some of the people in the church. So it's important for you and I today to know who Jesus is because there's so many lies, there's so many options out there for us, isn't there? So many options, so many things that we can turn on the radio, we can turn on the TV, we can look you know, on, on, online, and there's so many things out there, even dealing with Christianity, that we can look at and we can pick and choose and create our own religion or creating our own opinions of who we think Christ is. Apostle Paul had to deal with the same issue at the church of Corinth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, in verses 3 and 4, listen to what he says to the Corinthian church. He says, but I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted, just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the servant. That's what he says here in verse 4. He says, you happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach, or a different kind of spirit than the one you received, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. There's so many misconceptions concerning Christ and who he is. Concerning Jesus and, and, and being the almighty God, there's just so many things out there. Even Christians, you and I sometimes have a tendency to forget who Christ is. We forget what we once believed. 
we forget the power and the impact he had on our lives. We tend to forget who we are in Christ. And it's not that we reject Christ entirely. We don't do that. But the fact is we take him on, off the throne. We stop believing the power and the grace and the mercy that he has for you and I. And we start t- treating Christ like a, somebody that we could use. We go to prayer and, and it's just a bunch of petitions for things to help us and make our lives more comfortable. Instead of approaching him as a servant of God as we are and saying, Lord, my life doesn't belong to me anymore. This isn't my life. It is now your life. Do as you please. For that reason, we're going to be looking at the life of Jesus this month. And tonight I want to open up this series with a sermon that's entitled Jesus, the Almighty God. Because that's who he is. Jesus, the Almighty God. And we're going to look at that tonight. I want to read uh, the text that we're going to be using for the series for this month. This is going to be our springboard, and the sermons that are going to be following me the rest of this month are, are going to be fantastic, and you do not want to miss out on one Wednesday evening during this month as Christ is revealed and we begin to see who Jesus was and the impact that it, it has had and will have on our lives. In the scripture here that I'm going to be reading, Paul gets right down to the heart of the problem. He tells the church there, he says, the teachers that are coming in don't know Jesus. They don't know Christ. And he's telling the church there, Colossae, he said, and you also forgot exactly who Jesus is. And so to establish the supreme authority of Christ, to establish the supreme authority of Jesus and the power of And he he begins to explain to them, and he writes one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible. And that's the scripture we're going to read right now, Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. This is Christianity in a nutshell. This is so, so powerful. Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. He says, Christ is the visible image of, of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see, things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. And he goes on to say, he existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. What a powerful, powerful, powerful scripture. Unbelievable. First thing I want to look at tonight is Jesus is the image 
of the invisible God. He says there in verse one of our text, he says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. God's invisible, we know that. He's in he's a spirit. Can't see him. In John chapter 14, Jesus is talking to his disciples. They're all there with him. And he tells his disciples that he is the way, the truth, and the life. His disciples are looking at him, and, he, and Jesus tells them, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. Tells his disciples, he says, that the only way to God the Father is through him. And he's teaching his disciples, and Philip, one of his disciples that's there with him, he asked Jesus to show them the Father. He says, Jesus, can you show us the Father? And listen to what Jesus tells him here in John chapter 14, in verse 8. Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father. That's all we ask. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you all this time and you do not know me yet? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Oh my gosh. Philip, you're looking at him. If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. An invisible God is now visible. These men can see him, they can talk to him, they can touch him. And Jesus, in everything, in his attitude, in his word, in his interaction, in his tears, in his, in his suffering, everything, every action, if you, we see God the Father, everything that Jesus was, everything that Jesus did, saw God the Father. Look how the book of Hebrews describes Jesus in Hebrews chapter one and verse three. <clears throat> says, the sun shines with the shining greatness of the Father. The sun is as God is in every way. It is the sun who holds up the whole world by the power of his word. The sun gave his own life so we could be clean from all sin. After he had done that, he sat down on the right side of God in heaven. Jesus shows us everything about God the Father everything. He shows us the love of God. He shows us the goodness of God. He shows us the wrath of God. In Jesus, we see the wisdom of God. In Christ, we see everything. He also shows us everything about ourselves too, doesn't he? Shows us everything about ourselves. You know, we, we can say whatever we want to say, but God knows us. Bible tells us that God knows the motives and the intent of our heart. He knows why we do what we do. You know, so when you're on the job and you do something, they go, we know why you're doing that. You're just doing that because you want that position. You go, no, no, I don't want the position. I, I don't want it. No, God knows your heart. That's exactly why you did it. That's exactly why. God knows the intents and the purposes of our heart. Why we do everything that we do. 
Second of all, Jesus, the Bible says there in our text that Jesus is the creator of all things. Paul says that he's the creator of all things. Can't forget that Paul is writing to the church there in Colossae that's, that's been influenced by false teachers. And this church is starting to get a little bit confused about what's going on. And so Paul writes a letter to tell them and he intensely tells them, don't forget, Jesus created everything. Everything you see, everything you do in our text in Colossians chapter one and verse 15, says he existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see, things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything, the Bible says, everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else. The Bible says that he holds all creation together. That means nothing in creation is coming to being that Jesus didn't bring into existence. Everything. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. John also speaks about this in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 1 and verse 3. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And listen to this in verse 3. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Golly, just think of everything that we look at, everything we see in this universe the Bible says Jesus did that. Jesus did that. He created everything. Everything. He created your bodies. I know we're looking at our bodies and go, oh. so this is God's fault, huh? No, no, no. I was talking to my wife the other day and I weighed myself. And I'm really trying to lose weight, you know. And, uh, I weighed myself and I go, man, this is the lowest I've been in the lost man about like, like 20 years. She said, really? <laughs> I said, okay, so I, there was time, I weighed less, there was time, you know, I, when I was born, I think I was like eight pounds, okay, you know. <sighs> Getting all technical on me, you know. And, and so, you know, we look at our bodies and, and, and I look at mine and I, I, I did this. And you look at your body, you did that, you know. Uh, but the fact is just the complexity of the human body, God created that. He put that together. He also made some really good food, doesn't he? <laughs> the Bible says he made the stars. Stars. The oceans, the forests, everything. He also made and, and gave to us wisdom and talent that we have. Some of you have some unbelievable talents. You know, I see the musicians up here and it's like, God, they're just so, so good. Some of you are artists and 
you know, the jobs that you're at. You know, some of you are really good with numbers and, and some of you are really good at management skills and, you know, they're just, they're just things, there's talents you have. Remember my wife was talking to my, one of my granddaughters and, and she was saying, you know, how, um, how her dad is just doing all of these great things for them and, and my wife said, you know, God's the one that gave your father, your dad, the ability to do those things. He goes, no, he says he does it all. He says, no, sweetheart, that's not true. God gave him the talent and the wisdom and the health and the ability to be able to supply and meet these needs in your life. It all starts with God. And it does. The Bible says that everything we are, every talent you have, it all comes back to Christ. And so the moment we start to have a big head about how good we can do something, we need to stop and go, I guess it wasn't me. You ever see these like, like movie stars and stuff? You know, you see them acting and then you, you, know, you watch TV and then, you know, a couple of days later they're on TV again and they're dancing. You go, that guy can act and dance and he can sing and he's handsome. It's like, I would just, just give me one of those things. But it's like this, this guy or young lady, they have everything. God's the one that spoiled them. He's the one that gave him all of that talent. He's the one that gave us everything that we can do. But not only is Jesus the creator of all things, he's also the sustainer of all things. We breathe. Earth rotates. Science tells us that atoms are held together. And all of these things happen all at the same time because of who Jesus is. He does that. Moment by moment, Jesus is sustaining this world. Keep it in place. Nothing is in existence without him. All power comes from him. Nothing is apart from Jesus, nothing. Jesus is supreme, the Bible tells us, over all creation. It's his. It's his. Belongs to him. He created it, the Bible says. And because he's the creator of all things, church, don't ever, ever forget. He knows all things. He knows all things. And so when we hear somebody with fantastic words, when we see something, or we hear something, remember that Christ is the one that created everything. He knows us. He knows everybody. He knows where everything belongs, not us. He does. Third of all, third of all Jesus is the reconciler. That word reconcile means a change in a relationship means a change in relationship from a relationship that is very hostile to one that is in harmony now. It's been reconciled. That relationship has been, been healed. In our text in Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 18, it says, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. 
Now listen to this. It says, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Apostle Paul says that Jesus Christ is our almighty God because he is our reconciler to God. He's the one that healed our relationship between God and man. It was Christ who did that. You know, we see pictures of reconciliation around us all the time. You see husbands and wives that don't get along. So they separate, they divorce. And then somewhere along the line, they become friends, everything's okay, and they get back together. That relationship has been reconciled. You see other relationships, fathers and sons, where for some reason that relationship has been torn apart, that happened in my life with my son, and then it was reconciled got back together. We have a great relationship now. That's reconciliation. We are now made friends. You see two business partners that for whatever reason, they just got an argument. They just had different visions of the way that company was supposed to go. Something happened. They get an argument. They both go their separate ways. But over months or over years, they begin to talk and they work out their differences and they decide to get back together again and, and, and try another business and, and, and do it one more time. That relationship, that business relationship, that friendship has been reconciled. These are all examples of reconciliation. Bible says that Adam and Eve sinned. And that there was a break in our relationship between God and man. Because of what Adam and Eve did at the very beginning, a relationship with God was separated, it was broken. It was not what God intended. The reason why, the reason why Christ came was for the purpose of reconciliation, to put that relationship back together again. The word Paul uses in Colossians for reconcile is important. The word he uses is apokatalasso. Apokatalasso, this is important. This is very important. This, this, this word doesn't refer to two people who have mutually agreed to end a relationship and then they mutually agreed to get back together because that's what happens in a husband and wife relationship. They mutually agreed to end that relationship. Then they mutually agreed to put that relationship back together. Father and son, my son and I, we separated, but we mutually agreed to bring that relationship back together again. Business partners mutually agreed to, to, to end that relationship, but they both agreed to bring that relationship back together again. But this isn't the word that the Apostle Paul uses here. The word he uses is a person that has broken off that relationship. They don't, want to have, they don't want to have anything to do with the other individual. But this individual does everything they can. Although they were the one that was offended, they were the one that was hurt, does everything they can to try to heal that relationship back up again. It's not 
it's not two people. God and man didn't mutually agree to destroy this relationship. Man decided to destroy this relationship. And God did everything he could to restore that relationship with man. To restore it. That's where Jesus came in. God gave everything he had to restore a relationship with you and I. Everything, the best he had. That's what God has done for us. It wasn't like we agreed with God and God agreed with us, let's end this. It was man that decided to end it. God did everything he can to restore it. Bible says we are the ones that left God. You and I left God. He didn't leave us. He didn't leave us at all. We left him. We left him. God had every right. God had every right just to let us go. Spend eternity in damnation. He had every right to do that. Every right. But that's not what he did. Instead, the Bible says, the Almighty God humbled himself and came to die for our sins. He came to die for our sins. And the way he reconciled us was not through his birth in a manger. That's not how we, re- we were reconciled. That's not how this relationship was restored. It wasn't because of a birth in the manger. It was because of a death on a cross. That's what restored us. That's what made everything right, was his death on a cross. First John chapter four and verse 10 says, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. But that he loved us. How many here when you first got saved, you got saved because you just totally loved God? Good. A couple of you, I didn't. I didn't know anything about the love of God, nothing. All I knew that my life was racked up and somebody told me that I could have a new life in Christ and I needed that and they said that he could forgive my sin and I knew I needed my sin forgiven. Had nothing to do with love. It had everything to do with selfishness, I think for me and probably for most of you. The Bible says that he loved us first, first. We were lost in our sin sacrificed and substituted himself for us. We were so lost, we couldn't find God, weren't we? We were lost. 
And each of us lost in our own thing, whether it was drugs or alcohol or relationships or anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, fear, whatever it was, that's where we lived. We couldn't find God. I couldn't find God the way I was living. I couldn't find him. My God found a way to find me. He found me. He found you right where you are at. Whatever that lifestyle was, whatever misery you're in, would it matter what it was, good or bad, he found you. If I can ask the worship team if they can make their way up tonight. As I begin to close. If you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus. That's what God looks like. The almighty father. Look at Jesus. And we need to do that, church. You know why? Because that prevents us from making God into our image. Because we want to serve a God that, that suits our fancy, that suits our mind and our thoughts. Because our minds and in our minds, we have a tendency to fashion God after our own thoughts. We have a tendency to fashion God after our own desires. And that God is an easy God to serve. One that's formed to our likeness, one that'll do everything that we ask him to do for us. We try to squeeze Jesus, the Lord Almighty, into a mold and project him into something that he's not. The Bible tells us exactly who Jesus is. J.I. Packer read this quote by him the other day. This is what he said. He said, Christian minds have been conformed to the modern spirit. This modern spirit produces great thoughts of man and leaves room for only small thoughts of God. See, church, that's the danger that we can fall into. We have great thoughts of man. We have great thoughts of what we can accomplish. But small thoughts of God, what he can do, what he wants to do, and who he is, Jesus. If you want to know what God looks like, Look at Jesus, the almighty God. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment.